What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Funky Brain Podcast, and I'm Dennis. This is my Funky Brain. You know, our guest today is an international business advisor to high-profile businesses, and he's joining us from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Mr. Tony McGrath, how are you doing today, sir? I'm fantastic. I have a funky brain, too, so like I'm in good company, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Actually, you're the first person that said it up front. Once I started describing what it is, they're all like, oh, yeah, well, I think we have a lot in common. And how are you doing in our turbulent 2020 here? How's that all of this affecting you? Uh, really good. I, I've been used to working from home with my wife for years. We were entrepreneurs together. Um, but a couple of years ago, uh, I got to become a CEO at a theater. I've never worked in the arts. I've never run a theater. I've never managed a building of that size. But I got the opportunity to run the Grand here in Calgary which is a 1912 vaudeville theater. I mean, it's had the Marx Brothers and Fred Astaire and his sister Estelle, um, Paul Robeson, Sarah Bernhardt all performed there. Uh, so we, we, were at, we were doing really well. I mean, I, I had to rebuild a brand. We've been all over the papers for the usual stuff, you know, harassment and bullying and poor work culture. So I, I re rebuilt the team there, but, like March the 13th, uh, we were fully booked for the next year. And then by that evening, we weren't. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy <laughs> yeah, so time, man. Like, yeah. we, we just stopped dead in our tracks. Uh, mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I, uh, I'm still the only, I'm the only member of staff working there at the moment. We're trying to put a financial plan together for the future. But I'm not sure when the future starts. <laughs> I know. I, I used to do a lot of speaking, public speaking, like motivational speaking. Yeah. And uh, nobody's going anywhere. So no. that, that's why I do more of this now. And instead yeah. of, I would do a, more, a lot more speaking engagements. But yeah. uh, now I'll do this a few days a week. So as everybody knows who's watching, so my show, The Funky Brain Podcast, it's based on addiction recovery and life mastery. And the yeah. reason I reached out to Tony today is because he can talk to us about both of these topics congruently. So he has a story of like bottom to the top, top to the bottom, back up to the top. And I'd like for you to share that, Tony, because um, at least some of it, because, yeah. uh, you know, our listeners are like struggling, whether it's from some sort of addiction or just like stuck in life and sure. feel like there's no way out sometimes. So I wanted them to hear from like somebody who's been, you know, top, bottom, top, bottom. Like I'll try and, and, and condense uh, like because I'm turning 64 this coming year. It's been a significant life for me. I like I've, I've had a, a quite the journey, but I think I took my first drink at 13, and I don't I don't want to get into a, like a drunkalog, but I loved it. The first moment beer touched my lips, yeah, I loved it. I got drunk, kissed a girl, got smacked in the face, got in trouble <laughs> with the family, like, drank all of the dregs from everybody's drinks at a wedding. Um, I I, lo I loved it, and and it and it started what was a decades-long love affair with alcohol. I loved everything it did for me. I, I love the nightlife. I love clubs. I, I love walking home at 3 o'clock in the morning in the lights. Uh, I loved everything it did for me. And, um, you know, it made me 10 foot tall and bulletproof. And, um, and I'm an Irishman, so I'm already 10 foot tall and bulletproof. <laughs> 
got me in an awful lot of trouble uh, over the years. So, you know, I, I, I never really associated the feelings I had and my funky brain with <laughs> what was happening to me with alcohol. I never considered it addiction. Where did it lead me? I, I mean, I got in early family problems. I got raped by two guys in the back of a cab at 15. This is way back in the 70s, so that wasn't something you really talked about. My first DUI at 18, drove my dad's car from, through the front of a house. Whilst I loved it, it didn't love me too much. <laughs> Right. You know, so I, I spent a lot of money on it, um, but I, I grew up in an Irish family and we lived in England. So, it, you know, drinking is, is an extreme part of our culture and our everyday life over there. So despite the drag of alcohol, I, like I was an Olympic level athlete in judo. Um, I played semi-professional soccer, got through university somehow, I ended up having a pretty successful career in in finance and banking which is which is bizarre because i struggled with math at high school i kind of fell into this management career and um got married and then got unmarried and then got married again had a couple of kids ended up in in, in senior management and then really drank my whole way through it and the only warning signs i ever get i went for an executive health check one time and and i lied about my drinking on the form so I cut it down to about a quarter of what I normally drank. Uh, and the doctor said, you need to do something about your drinking. So I totally ignored that. And my career really blossomed. I, I, and I tended to not drink during the day very much. I, I kept that under control. I wasn't associating, associating issues I had in my relationships with alcohol whatsoever. I got drunk from time to time, like most of us. You know, I wore an expensive suit to work. I ended up getting a two, three-year executive exchange to California, but somehow got diverted to Vancouver in Canada. Um, I'm in my early 40s at this point. So on the surface, everything is beautiful. I've got a beautiful wife, two kids. I live in a house on the beach in White Rock in, in British Columbia. Drove a German sports car. Like, I, I, my career is blossoming. So you would never look at me and say, there's an alcoholic. I, you know, I didn't drink out of a brown paper bag. I didn't live on the street. I wasn't under a bridge. All intents and purposes, I, I guess you would look at that as a pretty successful life. But I was really quite messed up inside my head and in my soul. Like I had this empty hole inside of me that no car or amount of money or woman or house or job could ever seem to fill. I had this insatiable desire for just more, but I didn't know more of what. Like, where, where, where does that stop? There's always somebody with more money or a bigger car or a faster car or a younger woman. And um, I really didn't see myself as having much of a problem. I thought maybe I could just slow it down from time to time. But I, I'm on my second marriage at this point. Like my boss has said to me a couple of times, maybe Tony, don't be the last guy to bed at a conference. <laughs> you know, so I wasn't I'd be the second last guy or third last guy um, and I'd had a couple of near scrapes with drinking and driving which made no logical sense like nobody in their right mind gets in a car with alcohol on them like that's not a sane thing to do a number of times I'd shown up for work stinking of alcohol or I had the alcoholic flu on a regular basis like 
and the morning off where I'd disappear. Um, in 1998, Valentine's Day, absurdly, uh, my, I wasn't where I was supposed to be. Um, definitely not at home where I was supposed to be. So my wife, God bless her, she's passed away since, uh, kicked me out. And I think that woman, uh, for all she put up with with me, saved my life at that point because like, I, I went to an AA meeting. I couldn't think of anything else to do to get her off my back. I had no intention of getting sober at all. Like, I, I still at that point thought I just drank too much. I did not realize I was in the grip of a fearsome addiction at all. I, I regularly woke up with a hangover most days, but I didn't know I had hangovers. That became quite normal for me. I got the dried skin and the panda eyes and dandruff from dehydration. Almost every morning I woke up with a feeling of impending doom. Like I was standing on the edge of a cliff, like the precipice. Um, and, I, and I felt like life, I'd started to feel like life wasn't fair to me, which is absurd when you think about what I had and, and the opportunities I had. But alcohol had really become a, like a ball and chain around my ankles and, and several balls and chains, but I didn't realize it. So I went to an AA meeting, a little guy from Mexico who's living in Vancouver drove out to fetch me and I hated it. Hated, how could a bunch of old people sitting in a basement possibly help me um, but I didn't I, I didn't want to drink for a few days I thought I'd get my wife back went to another meeting the next day and, and fuck me I heard my story from a guy from Liverpool in England the birthplace of the Beatles and all of that and he stood up and said my name's Frank I'm a British piss tank <laughs> and then then he described we, we were from totally different backgrounds he, he cut keys in a store in Surrey in British Columbia and I, I was this highly intelligent, high-flying executive. So I didn't relate to that. But he, he, he described how he felt. How he felt when he woke up, how he felt in life, like how he felt about his relationship with alcohol, the empty feeling, the spiritual desolation, the crazy thinking in his head, the suicidal thoughts, um, the problems he'd gotten into over his life that he just couldn't associate. And he talked about denial being the primary symptom of any addiction. In every spiritual teaching, we talk about a moment of awakening or a, a woke, yeah, I'm woken. AA talks about a, a moment of awakening. Um, spiritual teaching in every book over the centuries has talked about that. You get a moment of clarity, a moment of realization. And it was, it was right then that I realized, despite everything, I appear to have on the surface, I was actually an empty shell. It, it was an amazing moment and the most brutal moment of my life all wrapped into one. It was like, I, I broke down in tears. I could not believe I was sat in a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous and I actually related to it. It was, it was awful, but amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and I know you can probably relate to that and, and oh, many totally. of you out there. Addiction is a is, an, is a disease of feeling, you know, I, I, and that's what what I what I have discovered in the 22 years I've been sober now. It is a spiritual desolation. It is is a, it is a lack of character. It is a lack of fulfilment in your life. Um, addiction just swallows you whole. It it eats you alive from the inside like a cancer. And and I just didn't know that was happening to me. You know, I, I hear a lot of people talking about success in life. I had it on the surface. I had all of that shit. 
or I had nothing. So I, I, I wasn't living under a bridge. I don't have a, like a rags to riches story here. I actually have a riches to rags story after I got sober. What, what is bizarre in the, in the corporate world, particularly then, and, and I still think it exists now to a degree, is that when you're a heavy drinker, like you're not actually a problem. From time to time you may be, but generally you'll get told occasionally you might want to slow it down. When you go into recovery and, and you let your company know, you actually become a human resource issue at that point. So it's, it's a bizarre reversal of the way it should be. You suddenly become a risk. You suddenly, people are scared you're going to relapse. Like, what are we going to do with him? So over my first couple of years of sobriety, I lost my marriage. I lost access to my children. I, got, I went bankrupt and I lost my job. Um, and I lost my freedom uh, over a domestic dispute, very briefly. So I'm sitting in an AA going, this, this isn't working for, for me. <laughs> <laughs> I thought things were supposed to get better, but I, like my spiritual journey has meant that I had to lose everything for me to understand what life is, is all about, what, it, what, what really matters. You know, what, what are the things that really matter to me? Um, so I think I had, I had to reach a bottom to get into AA is a spiritual program and the steps are spiritually based. And then I had to hit another bottom where, where I, again, I was contemplating, not seriously, because I don't have the courage, but you start to contemplate suicide again, you know, and I'm standing on the pier at White Rock contemplating suicide, not seriously, but in my head it was. And this little old lady that I knew from AA walked up beside me and said, you might want to wait for the tide to come in before you jump. <laughs> I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's I, a sign right there. <laughs> it is. But I think you have to hit a number of bottoms in your life, whatever you want to call them, to have moments of awakening where you start to understand. I love the sign behind you, the impossible. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Yeah, I, I think you have to understand that that you've reached an impossible point where you just you, you just can't go forward. And I hit a number of those. So I, I you know, I, I, I think when you relate that to life, whether you're afflicted by an addiction or not, and I know hardly anybody who isn't of some kind, sex, shopping, workaholism prescription drugs, gambling, booze. Codependency. Yeah, codependency, relationships, you know, you name it. I, I know very few families or individuals that are not afflicted by that. Right. So we, we're all pretty much in the same spiritual boat. Um, so I, for me, I, I, I pretty much had to be stripped of everything to understand what any of that means to me. Um, and, and start to redefine what success looks like and what life should look like and what purpose looks like. And I hear a lot about purpose and why, you know, well, you've got to find that. I still don't really know what that is. I, yeah. I, I, don't, I, I, I still don't know what that is, but I have learned a lot about me and, and my funky brain. And I've learned a lot about becoming a proper man and a good father 
and a good leader in business, an empathetic leader, and I don't mean that in a cliche, empath- you, you can't learn empathy, but when you start to heal from within, you can't help but be empathetic. And you start to learn some inner strength, and you learn to be a good partner in life and a good husband, and, and, and understanding some of those principles. I also understand if I do the next right thing, money and material stuff just appears. Like it just happens. And I, I, I've always got what I've needed. When I, I've asked to win the lottery a number of times, and I've won it probably 20 or 30 times, but it's always 20 bucks. So I <laughs> probably need to shift you know, the, the amount I'm asking for there. But um, I'm in my 60s now. And like I, I, my health has improved almost every year. I feel I've gotten younger almost every year I've been sober, despite some, of, some hard years. Um, I became a, a fashion model in my 60s with a, with a major uh, model agency here in Canada, uh, Mode Models, uh, an incredible guy called Kelly Strait there, um, who works with the Ford agency over in New York recruited me and I, I got to run a theater never done that in my life before you know i i'm 16 years with the same woman um i i i i, I cannot speak too highly of a spiritual path in life whatever that might mean to you and having a, a higher power of some kind whatever you want to call it or whatever that may be to you i know it's not me that's good enough <laughs> you know when, when i'm when I'm my own higher power, it's my ego talking. And um, like uh, over excessive ego is dangerous, I think. So like I, 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 I've had an, an incredible life despite myself. And I've done everything to fuck up sobriety. Like I did everything they told me not to do. You know, I, I, I don't, I, I'd love to say I get up and meditate for an hour every morning, and, but that would be a lie. I, I do when I remember. I pray when I remember, I try and do the right thing, but I, I, I have a good heart and a good soul now. So I, I always try to do the right thing. Um, I, 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 and that's a great, that's a great uh, structure for me and a great scaffolding for my life that, you know, on, on a, on a, even on a bad day, I'll try to do the right thing. Don't always get it right, I mess up lots. Like I do the wrong thing often, but never out of intent anymore. Um, so, you know, I, 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 I embrace my addictive mind and I, I now understand what, when it's talking to me and it may not be talking to me about alcohol, but it talks to me in a whole bunch of other ways. Um, so I, I, I really enjoy sobriety. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's given me a new life, which doesn't even look like my old one particularly it's hard to hard to even understand you know looking back on that guy who I was but all of that addiction from 13 to 40 something is part of my journey yeah well that was powerful really powerful story and you know the message that I got out of it well there was a bunch of them first of all I drove into a house too yeah. So we have that in common. That was almost 30 years ago for me. But you know, the big thing that what I was hearing is that the emotional and spiritual sobriety, right? Because yeah. it's like, I don't think about drinking anymore. It doesn't cross my mind. I'm around it all the time when I go out or with whatever we're doing. 
But, uh, you know, I don't think about that. But I can still, all the things you were talking about, being miserable, your insides aren't matching your outsides, yeah. uh, the, all the money, all the, the shit that you get wrapped up in, and not feeling comfortable about yourself, thoughts of suicide. I can think of all that in sobriety. In three minutes. <laughs> totally, yeah. yeah. So I, I, like, I can feel inferior in, in minutes like, uh, I, because I see somebody else driving a, a Range Rover or in a bigger house. I go, why don't I have that? And I don't actually want them. Yeah. And then two minutes before that, you were just being, thinking how grateful you are. La, like, la, 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 life is so great. And then on a dime, I'm like, wait, now I'm miserable and unhappy. And what's this happen? I guess the real gift is like the awareness, right? And it's like, I have that awareness now like, and I have some tools where I could shift it around and not be yeah. miserable. Yeah, I, I did judo for 15 years when I was young, uh, and I actually did an Instagram post about that this morning. I've never done that before. Like I'm a 64-year-old on Instagram, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but it was talking about that, that, you know, that one of our objectives is, is it, like you're like a deep river. You've got this inner peace on the surface, but this great spiritual depth underneath. You know, and whilst the surface can get choppy sometimes, you still got that spiritual depth inside. Yeah. You know, and I think any kind of spiritual practice, no matter how flimsy, even like mine, it just gives you so much back. It's like, yeah, I learned yeah. if I give a guy who needs twenty bucks my last twenty bucks, I get that back a thousandfold. Oh yeah, counterintuitive. It's like you know, the spirit a spiritual path is like riding a motorcycle. You know, when you go into a bend, everything in your body screams lean out. <laughs> but then you come off. Like, so the, the right way to do it is to lean into the bend. Yeah. Your instinct is lean out. I've got to, I've got to get away from that. But I, I think a spiritual life is, is counterintuitive like that. But you know, something I read that you shared on your LinkedIn the other day, and I love this part because I, I, want, I want people to know that are listening that whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're going through, you can get out of it. Buddha said years ago, 2,500 years ago, it's like the only constant in life is change. The tough times don't last. Neither no. do the good times, right? No, that's right. It's like the seasons. Like every year, spring comes after winter. Yeah. Unfailing. Yeah. <laughs> like a little exactly. late, it might be a shitty spring, but it comes every year. Like, and our lives are like that. They're seasonal. Yeah. Well, what you posted up, it was a, um, this page from F. Scott Fitzgerald. For what it's worth, it's never too late, or in my case, too early, to be whoever you want to be. There's no time limit. Start whenever you want. You can change or stay the same. There are no rules to this thing. We can make the best or the worst of it. I hope you make the best of it. I hope you see things that startle you. I hope you feel things that you've never felt before. I hope you meet people who have a different point of view. I hope you live a life you're proud of. And if you're not, I hope you have the courage to start over again. That is, that's F. Scott Fitzgerald. That is amazing. And when I read that, I was like, I have to read that on the show. And I put that on LinkedIn. I don't have seven tips to be a better person. I think I said that on there or 10 tips to be a better leader. But I, I can do what he said. Like I can hope and I can change whenever I want. That's right. There's no more, you know, there's a lot of people, and I think it used to be more so where it was like, you're supposed to do this, or you're supposed to do that and live this way, but there's no more supposed to. It's no. like, be, be who you want to be, be who you were. Hopefully, you know what the goal is? To find out who you were meant to be and then go be that, have the courage to be that. Yeah. 
I, I went to a retreat up in the Rockies recently. Well, actually, retreat's a strange word for it because it was just me there. <laughs> but, it, but it's in the Rockies by a river. And I spent a couple of hours lying in a hammock, uh, scratching a line in the sand with a twig, like a little boy again. And I thought, you know, wh- why, how do we lose that little boy and little girl stuff in us? Like where we actually put our phones down and don't think about anything for a couple of hours except, oh, I'm hungry. Yeah, and I say it often, and it's funny you bring that up. I have a chapter in my book. Well, not I don't know if it's a whole chapter. It's a, it's a big story, a few pages in the book. You know, all of this is like the goal is to have that freedom of expression like a child. We never laugh or just cry. And the story I told was about my little niece when she was like two years old, so like 14, 15 years ago. And she was laughing hysterically. I was babysitting for her. She was yeah. in the living room. She was cracking up, watching something on TV. And then like just laughing. And then she came into the kitchen where I was and she wanted the Twizzlers. And my, my sister, her mother said, don't give her anything before dinner. So I told her, she said, Can I have a, she said Twizzlers. And I said, no, not before dinner. And she went from hysterically laughing to hysterically crying with a purple face and tears coming down. And then I gave her a Twizzlers. I didn't want to deal with that. So then she went from hysterically crying back to laughing again. And she just turned around and walked away with her. She, she totally manipulated you. Totally. <laughs> Amazing. You see, she yeah. just went from, she just expressed how she was feeling. Just yeah. like laughing, crying, screaming, however she felt. Now we don't do that anymore because we're all worried about like our 401k plans and what people think about us. And who who invented that pension and retirement? It's dumb. <laughs> Yeah, so okay, like, that's one of the biggest frauds perpetrated on on man that I've ever seen. Like, yeah, you, you, you work for thirty years, you retire and then go do what? Play golf? Right? No, no, not being derogatory to golf, but like, I don't, I don't want to do that. No, keep moving. You know, my yeah, grandmother I, told I, me. No, I don't mind working into my nineties if, if I'm doing. You know, I, I've had the privilege of watching artists at work over the last two years, dancers and actors. Watching dancers rehearse is the most remarkable experience. An entrepreneur will drive the bus off the cliff. He sticks to his or her idea. They'll drive the bus off the cliff. Artists, and, and, and I'll use dancers as, as, as an example, they'll pivot in a second. And, and they're all having fun. And they go, oh, that doesn't work. We'll do something else. Like To get an entrepreneur or a businessman to pivot, you've got to beat him with a piece of wood. <laughs> <laughs> I can totally relate to that. Man. I'm like, no, this is going to work. I know it. It's going to work. But everybody said it doesn't. I don't care. Like, but the dancers will be, oh, we're having fun. That doesn't work. We'll just shift it. And I think as business our business people and our entrepreneurs forget to have fun in their business. You know, our, all our leadership coaches are telling us we've got to have a why. You know, you've got to have a why in your business. Like, I, I don't know. I just like cookies. <laughs> and people trying to find their why and their mission statements and their visions and just sell cookies. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I, I don't get it. There's seven ways to be a greater leader. I don't have time for that. <laughs> I love talking to you. You're, you have the best outlook. But, I, you know, I that letter really struck me, you know? And the, the, the other thing about that is like, if you read this, the third paragraph, it was like, I hope you make the best of it. I hope you see things that startle you. I hope yeah. you feel things you've never felt before. And I hope you meet people who have a different point of view. Like this was written a hundred years ago, you know? Totally. And, yeah, I, and now it's, it's like- so part of my life. At 62, I got to manage a theater. Yeah. Like a, a remarkable place. Like, so- that that exactly relates to my experience. 
Yeah. You know, I know people who are 45 years old and talking about retirement already. Yeah. Like you, 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 like you can't, you can't get old until you decide you're going to get old. Yeah. It's I, your yeah. And when you stop moving, you die. Like why, why would yeah. you want to keep staying healthy? You know, like go out, go for a walk, try Eat to stop. Well, keep moving, love, be kind. I, you know, they're cliche things, but they all work. And, you know, don't hoard toilet paper in your garage. <laughs> <laughs> the, you know, I, I got so I got people that that I know are hoarding cleaning materials, and if a nuclear holocaust is coming, like, I, I I got no control over that. <laughs> so toilet paper's not saving me. I know that's the greed. A perfect, it's a perfect like illustration of humanity right now. It is, I, you know, and I look at you as our beautiful neighbors down in the South. I mean, every year my wife and I go road tripping in the U.S. We've been down through Colorado and the, and the Oregon coast and Utah and California. And, you know, it, it's such a beautiful country with such beautiful people. Stop fighting. Exactly. <laughs> it's some rational thought. Like, you, there is no right and left. That's just made up. Yeah. And if you're wasting your time worrying about that you don't understand life yet like no i i do find it bizarre that the best you've got on both parties down there and i'm not being political here is two 75 year old white men that's the best talent you've got yeah, honestly that's where we are yeah. but at <laughs> yeah. the same time it's like don't even think about it why are you watching that if your goal is to be happy yeah, And you look at that or watch that or look on your phone or talk about it with other people and that makes you unhappy and stop doing that. You, you live in one of the most beautiful countries on the planet. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Like you've got lifestyles there that most people can only dream of. Like it, it, it is a, a beautiful country. I, I, I love the States and almost every state has a different culture. It's just a tremendous place. And I think, I think the U.S. has gotten to a place where they've forgotten gratitude. Mm, absolutely. I, I do. And, and I love the U.S. You know, um, I, we're a kind of gentler version up here. You know, we don't have the, the big gulfs, but you, like, quit that shit. Exactly. Quit that start, shit. Start talking again, you know, like you, the, the, the media and politicians are manipulating situations. And, yeah. you know, I, I, like, there, there is no right and left like. I, I, in a spiritual world, that does, doesn't exist. Exactly. Yes. And there's no like Republican, Democrat, black, white. We're all humans. Stop yeah. fighting with each other. There's nothing to fight about. You're no. Not, no, there's no winners. Just like love each other. Be happy and grateful for what you have. Like you said, look where we live. Look it's where, gorgeous. <laughs> yes. Look at the life you have. Like if you really want to like get into gratitude, pull up some pictures of, of Africa where these kids don't get to eat every week. Yeah, you know, that's go, go hiking in Zion National Park, Utah, for, yeah. for a, a day. Like you, yeah. you will understand there's a, there's a hike there called Angel's Landing. Very famous hike. It's a bit busy. I, I've done it a few times. <clears throat> you realize you, you know, that the world is such a beautiful place when you sit up there on top of Angel's Landing and, and look at, out at Utah. So beautiful. Yeah, I There's something deeply peaceful about your country, about the indigenous people and their culture there. It makes you wonder what the hell's going on at the moment. But you know, a, a beautiful people, great 
mix of cultures and, and each state's almost like its own country. So outside of, um, you know, helping businesses and talking yeah. about these spiritual awesome principles that we're talking about here, like what inspires you? Like what makes you feel like your best self? You know, whether it's like movies or, you know, mentors, your comedian, your spouse or whatever it is, or is it just living in gratitude? I, I, I love good living in gratitude. I've I, football, soccer is, you know, like I can lose myself for a couple of hours in a game. I grew up on that sport. It was a working man's game over there. We supported the local team in the area we grew up with. You know, my t the team I support over there had the first black players in the league. We were a very multi-ethnic area. Still love the team. So, you know, sport without being... Um, I, I, I went to Italia 90 with the Republic of Ireland's uh, national team. Well, there was a huge flag over there because uh, it's not a great team in Ireland. I mean, we had some good results, but um, we had a huge flag that, that, there that said, who cares who wins? Hey, yeah. We're just here, man. It's like, oh, yeah. We just at the game. We were in Italy. Like, who gives a shit? So yeah. I, 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 love, I love that. I, I love the outdoors. I, like, where I'm a city boy, so I'm kind of dangerous out there. And we've got bears and cougars. <laughs> <laughs> I have to stick to the beaten path a little bit. I love the outdoors. I love being on the ocean. I love my family. I've got a granddaughter now. I raised two children on my own um, for, for over a decade until I, I met Marcy, my current wife. Um, love my wife. Uh, I, I love. I love Canada. It's my country of choice. I'm a citizen here, and my son serves in the Canadian military. He was in Iraq last year, dismantling roadside bombs. Nice. Uh, so I. I I, 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 I think I, love in the best, I live in the best country on the planet. I, I really do. I think Canada is an amazing place. It, it, it is stunningly beautiful. We've got a great mix up here. You know, things like gun control and, and abortion are not political issues here. You know, yeah. so we, we, we have to struggle to find things to fight about. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I enjoy people. Like, I'm an Irishman. I love to talk. I love to hear people's stories. You know, and I encourage even an introvert, anybody, just to sit down and listen to somebody. Like, get, get to know somebody at an airport or on an airplane or the bus or like in the elevator, this might come say, hello, how are you doing? I do that too. I think that's the best, the best thing, you know, to be, yeah. just to be able to connect with somebody and you never know what they're going through and you never know who you're going to meet. You can make your best friend. I'm yeah. Like, oh. I, I've got a friend, a little, a little uh, lady from Mumbai, Michelle. She's been my friend since the first week I landed in Canada in 1996. Nice. And we met at a networking event. We've worked together and she lives around the corner from me now in Calgary. She moved here from Toronto. We, we've been friends for all those years. I got friends in my life. I love Facebook, you know, for all its flaws. Like I've got friends on Facebook that I chat to on a regular basis that I went to high school with and I'm in my 60s or I did judo with or I, I met working in, in my 20s. You know, and we stay in touch or we visit when I'm back in, in Ireland or England. I, I've got cousins in my life I've never met. You know, in, in Australia, I, I, last year we went down to San Francisco. I met my dad's brother's girl. Right? They live in, in Pacifica near San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, husbands of San Francisco cop that that all came about because we connected on Facebook don't use it for the normal bullshit actually use it to talk to people I agree and that was yeah. the, that was the original intent yeah. yeah it's an amazing platform when it's used properly I mean it, it gets 
denigrated with politics and stupid posts. But, you know, I, I have an extended family around the planet now that I didn't have before Facebook. My story is poor compared to a lot of people I know in addiction. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's a bit plain Jane, but uh, I, I, I like talking to people. I, I will always listen to anybody who wants, wants an hour of my time over coffee, always. I, I rarely would say no to a coffee with somebody. Like it doesn't matter who they are. And I think it's important to make the time to do those kind of things. And just listen and be there with somebody. That, that's great. And you know, that's the gift of sobriety. Yeah, it is, you know, because my head's not as warped as it used to be. And I don't have the ulterior motives that I used to have, sure. you know, and I didn't even know I had those. That, that, that's a horrible space to live in active addiction. For your listeners, I think, you know, um, th there is hope no matter what your situation life is seasonal spring always comes after winter always yeah. you know without fail uh you know i, I think if you, if you try and base your life on some kindness and and, and compassion and empathy there are things i would never have dreamed that i i would be saying at this point back in my corporate days it was dog eat dog and you know that that's the way the world was and um i, I like being sober and i know you do you can see it in your eyes Oh, yeah. It's the greatest gift in the world. Well, thank yeah. you so much, Tony. I really appreciate your time, and hopefully we yeah. can do this again sometime. Anytime. Yeah. Awesome. And I might be giving you a call just to talk. Sometime. Yeah, I, I, anytime. I, I, uh, you know, I did a LinkedIn post last year, um, and it was, it was one of my like, non-leadership leadership posts. And um, there, there was a guy, I think he came from Kansas or somewhere like that, and he was an out-of-work business executive. And he, he took the time to message me after that and said, like, you've given me, and I wasn't talking about addiction or recovery. I was talking about, you know, uh, my work life. And he said, you've given me cause for hope. So you never know when you're affecting somebody by listening or, or speaking um, from your heart a little bit. So I, I know you speak from your heart and I appreciate the opportunity to share a little bit of, of, of my life today. So. And I appreciate you being here. And I'm sure my listeners feel the same way. Okay, anytime. Right on, Tony. Thank you okay. so much. And thank, thank you. you, everybody, for listening to the Funky Brain Podcast today. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great day. So you can't think your way into a new way of acting. You have to act your way into a new way of thinking and being. Hi, I'm Dennis Berry, best-selling author, speaker, and life coach for addiction recovery. So many people are stuck in their addiction, whether it's like drugs or alcohol or food or shopping or sex or money, and they think they could just stop or try to figure it out on their own, but they don't change anything in their lives. Nothing changes if nothing changes. In order for change to happen, you have to change something. My clients will be like, oh, I'll stop tomorrow, or if this happens, then I stop, or someday I'll just give it up. And then they just sit around and think, 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 and hope for different or better results, but it doesn't happen. You have to take action. Action most people aren't willing to take. People don't become willing until they're in enough pain, me included. And unfortunately, they wait, and they wait and time passes by. Even if you are willing, you don't even know where to begin. And that's where I come in. In my best-selling book, Funky Wisdom, A Practical Guide to Life, I talk about the how approach. How do I get sober? How do I stop doing drugs? How do I become healthier? 
How do I have more successful relationships? How do I become more financially successful? And the answer is how? Honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness. I have to honestly admit that there's a problem. I have to honestly admit that things aren't going well and there needs to be changes. And then once I do that, the door opens and I become open to seeing new ways of living. And then I become willing to make those changes. You can't solve a problem with the same mind that created it. That's why I'm here to help. You know, I've been working with clients for over 15 years and helping them get clean and sober and change their lives and achieve inner peace and success. If you or somebody you love is struggling and doesn't know where to begin and how to make those changes to get to where they need to be, give me a call. Not tomorrow or in a week from now when you are hungover and your life is falling apart. Call now. Start making that change today and you'll be glad that you did. I'm sending you love and good vibes. Have a great day today.